Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Courtney. And this is the Dance Better Podcast. This is our platform to shed some light on the impact that ballet training has on the mental health of both current and former dancers. Together with some amazing experts, we're discovering what things dancers can do to help counteract some of those habits and ideas that might not be serving them. So keep listening to hear real stories from real dancers, mental health professionals, and many more to help you dance better. Hey guys, today we spoke with Taylor Beringer, a lifelong dancer, educator, and mom who's helping professional dancers to heal their relationships with their bodies. She's a certified pause breathwork facilitator and life coach who works with the somatics of the body to help dancers find safety and peace with their bodies. Yes, Taylor's work as a coach for professional dancers provides a unique perspective on the relationship between their body and how they show up in the studio. It was really a great discussion. And if our voices sound really calm right now, it's because she has such a calming presence and it was such a wonderful conversation. We do want to mention to you guys that none of us are mental health professionals. So anything that you hear us say on the show are just things from our lives, what worked, what didn't work, uh, but none of that should be considered medical advice. We do believe that holistic approaches can be really helpful when they're integrated with the care of a licensed healthcare professional. So if any of the things that we do say today resonate with you, we encourage you to talk to your doctor or click the link below to find the best healthcare professional for you. We also want to mention anything we say in this podcast is a reflection of our dance experience as a whole and not any one teacher, studio, or company. Secondly, the opinions shared by our guest in this episode are those of our guest and their personal experience from their individual viewpoint. Experiences and opinions shared, while cathartic, are also for a mutual purpose to aid in opening a dialogue about making experiences better for artists everywhere. This was really an enlightening conversation with Taylor, and we're really happy to share it with you guys today. Here you go. Hi, everyone. Hi, Sarah. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm great. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. You guys, we are so glad to introduce Taylor Beringer to our show today. Hi, Taylor. How are you doing? Hi. Hi. What's <laughs> up? I am doing so good. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, hey, we're, we're so, so excited to have too. you. Yeah, big into, um, you know, everything that you're doing. We've been following you for a little bit now, and I, I love what you're speaking on and what you stand for. So we're so, I'm, I'm so excited to, you know, hear, hear from your perspective what all you're up to. So um, to kick off, we'd love if you could give our listeners a brief history kind of of your time in the dance world and how that led you into becoming a life coach for dancers. Oof, yeah, <laughs> it's a, well, I would say it's a long one. It's a, yeah, it's kind of a long one, but um, yeah. So basically what I do is I help professional dancers heal their relationships with their bodies. So this has to do with any dancer who has felt unsafe or insecure in their bodies, which is, I don't want to name anything, but it's the majority of us, right? Um, mm -hmm. And so this all started, you know, I grew up as a dancer. I started dancing like most, most dancers um, at the age of three. Um, I went through my, my whole training, you know, dancing with a studio, um, really getting serious around the age of 10. Um, from there, you know, taking all the classes, dancing, crazy hours, crazy hours a day. Um, and yeah, so I just like spent my, my entire childhood, my entire teen years really just 
focusing on my training, on my dancing. I was lucky enough to be a part of a pretty healthy studio where there wasn't a lot of toxic nature within the studio. Um, but as I became, you know, a teen and as I started going into my young adult year years and just transitioning more into the dance industry, just that the toxic na nature of the industry really started to take a toll on me, I think. Um, I also, I think it's also important to mention, I grew up with parents who were both CrossFit trainers. So they're both CrossFit trainers. There was always a lot, a lot of pressure on I me. Mean, at least I felt I took on the pressure of just always showing up, you know, always working really hard, pushing my body to pass the limit, right? That's what you do in CrossFit. You push it past the limit. Yeah. That's what you do in mm -hmm. dance. You push it past the limit. Um, and yeah, so I just like grew up with this really um, hard pressure to always be really strict on my body, um, to always be skinny and small. That was always celebrated, you know, that's celebrated in the dance industry. That was also celebrated in my house, watching my parents um, talk about themselves in that way and really just like promote different diets, different eating styles that weren't aligned with myself. Um, and I just faced a lot of turmoil inside of myself. You would never know it from the outside because on the outside, I was this perfect little dancer who showed up to class super strong every single day of my life. Um, but on the inside, I was truly under a lot of pressure and suffering and just um, didn't, didn't, have the, didn't have freedom inside of my body, the freedom that I have now. Mm -hmm. um, within all of those experiences, it led to a lot of different toxic relationships um, in high school. And so that led to abuse. Um, it led me to getting into situations that I probably wouldn't have gotten into if I didn't have the view of my body that I did. I learned how to receive love through my body, right? Through what my body looked like. Mm -hmm. um, from there, I was 18 years old and I got pregnant which is like, boom, like plot twist, right? I was yeah. training to be a dancer my whole entire life. I was pretty much like thinking about moving to LA and then I found out I was pregnant. Um, and obviously I went through with the pregnancy. I have my son, he is three years old. He's gonna be four this year. Um, and it was the, the enlightenment, right? That was, that, that was where the enlightenment came for me. That was where, um, as I had my son, and I couldn't dance anymore, you know, I gave birth, I was during my postpartum period, where I couldn't really dance anymore, um, because I was still healing from birth, that I started to have this awareness of like, okay, without dance, like, who am I? <laughs> like, mm, if yeah, I can't yeah. move out of this chair, like, who am I? I felt very um, worthless. Um, and this was a very like messy, messy um, place in my life. It wasn't quick. It was really long um, where I just went through this period of time where I was giving up on dance because I was craving compassion for my body because the space that I had in my life with a newborn son wasn't allowing me to have the lifestyle that I had beforehand with the push and the force and the hustle and the um, you know, all of the, the toxic nature that we're used to as dancers. And really, I just, I came to the conclusion that in order to 
still dance in order to still do what I love because what I love to do is dance and becoming a mom did not change that. You know, I still love to dance. It's part of who I am is a mover. Um, but in order to continue to do that, I had to learn how to hold a different kind of space for myself, right? And so I had to stop trying to compare myself to what the other dancers were doing. I remember walking into class, driving to LA with my son. Yes, with my son. Luckily, my co-parent is actually a dancer as well. So we would drive to LA together okay. so we could train. He would watch my son while I would jump into class. But I just remember feeling so out of place and just um, not accepted into these spaces because maybe my body wasn't exactly how it used to be or maybe I didn't have the time to train like the other dancers did or the lifestyle that the other dancers did and I was breastfeeding at the time still am um, transitioning out of that probably probably pretty soon um, but I remember like walking out of the class to breastfeed my son outside of the studio and just like getting a lot of dirty looks from the dancers around me and so there is just a lot of this like deep body shame happening in that area of like, wow, I, I'm still not enough. <laughs> like I'm still not yeah. enough. You know, how, how am I supposed to do this dance thing in this space of compassion, right? Because I needed compassion in order to, um, in order to keep dancing. I had to give myself compassion in order to keep dancing with the time and the body and the lifestyle that I now had. Um, and yeah, so that that's really where the shift started to begin. I started from there, I started doing a lot of my own healing work, um, getting certified in different healing modalities. And just as I started this process of healing my relationship with myself and my body, I started to realize this work isn't really in the dance community. Like, why not? Because I started to see this freedom inside of myself to be able to move, to be able to dance, to be able to create in ways that were never available to me with the relationship I had with my body previously. This opening starting started to happen um, and the sense of freedom and peace started to happen. And I was just very curious of, you know, why aren't these tools really in the dance community? And if they are, they're very um, contradicted, right? Um, and yeah, so that's, that's where the transition began. And then I started doing this work for dancers and now we're here. <laughs> Yay. That was long, but that was me. <laughs> I, mean, I appreciate hey, you sharing just, that. yeah, sharing your story, your vulnerability with us about what that, what that transition looked like. Um, I mean, there's different, every, every dancer goes through their own growth period, right? Figuring out what to do with their body as you go through puberty and teen years and young adult. But even though it's unique person to person, there's a lot of these overlying themes that we see for all the dancers, because we're all going through this same system, sort of, you know, quote unquote, and it's, um, there are parts of what you're saying that I, I resonate with. Um, yeah, so like, I wanted to say that, you know, maybe not every single dancer, probably not every single dancer relates to having a kid super young. Um, but my hopes is that the awakening that came from me having my son so young, you know, that was my awakening moment that you don't have to go through this big awakening moment in order to feel peace and safe in your body. You can listen to my words and my experiences and learn that for yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, so going into your, your coaching right now with these dancers, what emotional health impact do you often see with these dancers when they're facing those difficulties with their body image? Mm, yeah, it's a lot of um, inner critic work. So a lot of dancers struggle with their inner critic. Um, and to me, I, for me, I see a lot of like constriction in that area of like, I can't dance unless my inner critic is like eating me alive. And so there's this contradiction between dancers wanting to dance, right? They truly want to dance because it's part of what they love to do. Um, but they're suffering so hard inside because of their inner critic, because of um, the body image issues or the eating disorders or whatever that is for you, that there's, it's like this love-hate relationship with dance. It's like, if I dance, okay, then I'm going to beat myself up or, or I'm going to get beat up or I'm going to put be put in a situation where I don't feel safe to be in my body. Or I could choose myself and then I don't get to dance. And so dancers are stuck in this either or, right? But it doesn't have to be yeah. either or. You get to have both. Um, yeah. And yeah, that's, that's really just like the emotional toll that I think these things, obviously there's more, obviously there's deeper, you know, like I talked about for myself, there was the toxic relationships. I believe that all, um, all body image issues and like all... Um, issues with feeling safe in your body lead to outcomes, lead to different outcomes. So for me, it was the toxic relationships. It was actually, if I were to be completely vulnerable, I was getting pregnant really young, you know, that my, my relationship with my body led me to that. Don't regret it because my son is my light and he is my everything, but, and also being vulnerable here, um, it can show up as abuse in the industry, right? allowing yourself to be in situations where there are abuse in the industry. Obviously, obviously there's exceptions to that, um, where there's force there. But there's all of these deeper outcomes that happen sometimes even outside of dance that are the toll of um, what happens inside. Yes. <laughs> for, for me, that's something that sparks. Um, I mean, for in my, in my marriage, how that showed up was in my I mean, here we are. Yeah, let's be vulnerable on this episode with my husband. Like in those mo in in how I show up as a wife with my body, is my body enough? I'm not even a dancer anymore, but I'm still questioning these things. Not anymore, but there was a season in my early marriage where that was so heavy and there was no one to even like have that conversation with in my circle, and that's I think why I find what you're doing so powerful because like you're saying, you don't have to go through this like drastic moment or, you know, something to have this aha moment. But if we can just start having a conversation about it and if we can just start talking about it, maybe people can have some light bulb moments and, you know, yeah. set their own boundaries for their body before it starts leaking into these outcomes that we don't want. Right. And here's the thing, you know, we talk about the emotional toll that it can take in your dancing or your dance career. Um, but the inner critic doesn't stop there. If you're facing your inner critic super heavy as a dancer and you're feeling that contradiction I was talking about earlier about, okay, it's either dance or it's my relationship with myself, then if you let go of dance, and it's still going to show up in other places of your life, right? There's still that wounding. There's still the parts of you that need healing and that need love. And they're just going to speak louder. And that's what happened to me. Um, it didn't stop. Even when I took a little bit of break from dance, when I had my son early on, it didn't stop. It was actually louder. Yeah. 
magnified, especially since your body went through such a change. I think that that must have been very difficult to there's a lot of cognitive dissonance probably happening there. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's very difficult to uh, to address, I think, during that time. Plus, I mean, if you think about hormones and all that stuff too, you know, I know that we have listeners out there who are um, mothers and maybe still dancing just like you. So I think that's something that's really, really important. Um, so Taylor, we wanted to talk a little bit moving into your um, healing space. What does being an evolved dancer mean to you? How do you Mm. define that? I love that you're asking this um, because my answer is a little bit different than possibly like other people might say an evolved dancer is. I feel like maybe people in the industry would be like an evolved dancer is somebody who has the technique. It's somebody who can like do the style. It's somebody who can be vulnerable with their dancing, right? But to me, like an evolved dancer is somebody who can like hold space for themselves. It's somebody who can observe maybe the experiences that they're having inside of themselves, their inner critic, their harsh words, right, towards their self, their, you know, all of of those things that happen that we experience as dancers. It's somebody who can observe that. And it's somebody who can hold space for themselves and include all parts of themselves, all emotions, everything that is them. Um, and take that into their dancing and create this supportive space inside of themselves for um, them to dance from. It's not somebody, this is, this is where it gets interesting. It's not somebody who can push through the pain, right? Who can hold all the pressure like we're tight. It's somebody who knows how to take care of themselves and hold space for themselves in those moments where there is the pressure and maybe say no to those, those spaces yes. as well, you know? advocate for them themselves and their bodies and their minds yeah that's really boundaries yeah exactly yeah and boundaries are um boundaries start from within you know Mm -hmm. and so like setting boundaries on the outside is cool we can talk about that but like how can you set boundaries within yourself you know to truly support you as a dancer and to put your well-being first right to put your relationship with your body first over every single thing that you do in the dance industry, which is hard. It's easier said than done. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> what I'm getting from this conversation so far, Taylor, and I, I love all of it. It sounds a lot like um, you're encouraging dancers to live their lives, whether it's in the dance space or outside of the dance space on their own terms and not on the expectation in terms of our industry or of a specific teacher or, or coach or boss or studio owner. Um, and I think that's something that Courtney and I both um, advocate so much for is that the, the industry, especially if we're talking specifically the classical ballet world will never, 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 never uh, change and evolve without people who are willing to stand up for themselves. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's really my, my whole message to everything I do is like, how can you listen to yourself deeper? Um, yeah. I think our voice gets taken away a lot as dancers, just like going through training and even working jobs where everything's decided for you. Literally, mm-hmm. dance teachers are walking around the room manipulating your body every single day right. with their hands, right? Yeah. I was mm-hmm. one of those dance teachers, right? I, mm-hmm. I did that before I started this work. And it's when we can start giving our dancers and ourselves choice, right? How can we give ourselves choice? Do we want to be in this space? Does this space feel safe? 
do can do I feel safe inside of myself? How can I start doing those things? How can I start feeling safe inside of myself? Um, and yeah, just like choosing yourself over everything, mm-hmm. choosing your relation. And it gets sticky there, right? Because sometimes we think choosing ourselves is like pushing through and like trying to meet all the standards because that's gonna get us to our goal, right? But no, like choosing yourself and your body and your relationship with your body mm-hmm. means really going deeper and listening to what your body is saying within, which can be scary. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think I think there's definitely a way for for us to find that balance so that we can become better dancers. But I think what you're saying through that th- framework that you're proposing through this lens that in the end, we will become better dancers because we'll be more well-balanced human beings and humans first and dancers second. Yeah. You know, it's not about like not doing the dancer things, right? (laughs) We still do the dance. That's why we love being dancers. We love training and we love dancing Mm -hmm. and we love growing, right? Expanding. And I do too. And I do it every single day, right? But it's doing it from a place of being able to hold compassion and acceptance at the forefront for yourself. And if yeah. you're doing something that is causing you to not hold that space, how can we come back to that space and create even more of a stronger platform for you to dance off of? Fantastic. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We'll just wrap it up right here. That's great. <laughs> I know, right? Great episode. <laughs> I'd like to get into the nuts and bolts of your practice. And I know that you work with um, small groups as well as one-on-one sessions, correct? So kind of walk us through like the differences between um, your experience working in a small group versus one-on-one, what the benefits, what the drawbacks are of of both. Yeah. Yeah. So I do both. Actually, the both is um, right now within one program. So I have an option to be a part of my group program. And then I have an option to be a part of my group program plus one-on-one sessions, Um, which is really cool because like you said, there is a difference. Um, I love group programs so much because so much of the healing that we get to do happens in connection with other people. You know, a lot of our wounding has happened because of connection with other people, because of dance teachers um, manipulating our bodies or because of the toxic spaces we've been around, because of dancers stabbing our backs, right? There's a lot of toxicness within the connection we've had with other people in the dance industry. And so really my goal with group programs is how can we bring dancers together who are here for similar reasons, right? Who are genuine and who want to create change and who want to um, shift the relationships with their bodies and create a healing space, a healing atmosphere within that group. And so when a dancer comes to that group, just being around these people starts teaching their nervous system that, oh, wow, like I'm safe to connect with other dancers, you know? I'm safe to yeah. connect with other dancers because they're holding the safe space. It's about teaching your body, your body system, that you're safe to be here. You're safe mm-hmm. to be you with other people around you. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, that's really powerful. I think that's something that I hadn't really, um, we haven't heard a lot about that in, in all of our talks so far, but that absolutely makes sense that you're, you're, you have a sense memory, right? So you have that there's neural pathways that are made when you have a connection with someone that's not great and you have all of these cascading events in your body that happen because of that so the next time you're in a similar situation 
without even thinking about it, your heart rate's going to go up. You might exactly. get sweaty palms, you know, like you might start having um, anxious feelings and things like that. So I think that's really great that it's almost like you're rewiring people to, mm-hmm. to feel safe dancing with one another. Yeah, we're, we're re- rewiring um, our systems to feel safe in, you know, being vulnerable and being seen for like our humanness and like who we are, not these perfect robots with other people. Yeah. Um, and I think you said it, like we carry wounds and trauma inside of our body, um, which is why I'm so passionate about this work. It's not just mindset work, it's somatics, it's in the body. Um, and, you know, we, we also carry generational trauma inside of our body from our parents, from our relatives. And that's something I deeply believe in. This is something that really keeps us stuck and in the patterns of society and the dance industry, like trying to keep ourselves safe um, and following their standards, right? And going against our own bodies. And so when when you enter into the space, your nervous system starts to relax. You start to get deeper healing Um, And like you said, we start to rewire those parts of you that have the defense mechanisms up all of the time. Absolutely. And what those words you're saying right there, it resonates. It makes me think of um, conversations I had with Sarah actually a few years ago, but really starting to understand the somatic response. We're both massage therapists, Sarah and I, I but just this, this, I see this connection just popped up in my head, but like Swedish massage, right? It's this thing. Some people love it. Some people are like, it's fluffy, but it's creating that space and just like facilitating that healing in the body, like bringing the nervous system back down, like re-regulating what your body is functioning at. It's not that we're, it's beautiful, right? As, as a coach or as a massage therapist, like you're facilitating the body to do this thing that it's already innately. Like, I don't know that we come into this world supposed to be full of fear. I think we come into this world with a sense of safety and then something happens and that goes out the window but -hmm. it's like bringing yourself back to that you know kind of like ties into some inner child work and things like that right it's it's tying back into that it's okay you're safe Mm -hmm. you actually like are allowed to be here yeah Yeah. I love this thing in this way and if you think about also um if we're talking about the other side of things with dancer injuries and stuff like that the body is not capable of healing muscle tissue and rebuilding, um, you know, the scar tissue necessary in some cases, and it's not capable of rebuilding itself. If you're stuck in that fight or flight, uh, high anxiety, nervous system mode, you have Mm -hmm. to be able to access the rest and digest system Mm -hmm. in order for your body to actually physically repair itself you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. So this is all, it all kind of ties in together. Yeah. I think that's really important. And also that's a part of my story that I didn't really mention is I struggled with anxiety my whole entire life. Nothing to do with dance for some reason. I just like, I didn't enter on this earth with a lot of anxiety, but I feel like a lot of it was rooted in like generational trauma. My mom had really bad anxiety of fear of the world. Um, and that really manifested its way into my body as a dancer though, um, because of the injuries I faced, they wouldn't heal very well because of the stress my body was constantly under and the anxiety I was constantly facing. Um, it actually this, the stress I would put myself under, right. The pressure I would put myself under actually manifested in really bad stomach pains after I had my son. 
I thought it was postpartum, but it wasn't. It was literally the stress and the pressure I was putting on myself to get myself back into the dance industry and like be this perfect person that was causing the stomach pains. It was terrible. I would literally come back from teaching dance classes and be like on the floor, like curled up in pain. So it was so bad. As soon as I started doing this work, it started releasing, which is incredible. And it's not just like, that's just like one way it manifested within me. Like it can manifest in somebody in so many different ways, right? Mm, yeah, absolutely. Where yeah. where you hold that stress in your body, um, it yeah, it's so different for each each person and, and even what it takes for that to, to release, right? Um, you know, what does it take for you to there's so many, yeah, we could go down that route. I mean, well, there's a lot of options for healing. <laughs> also, everyone go see your doctor too. <laughs> You're yes. having some of these issues. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Seek out a physician, make sure everything is, is, you know, exactly, physiologically yeah. good. <laughs> Just yeah. kind of put, slide that in there as well. But yeah, yeah, I think that's the, it's really fascinating um, how our anxiety can manifest itself physically in our bodies for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's something that I think is, it's interesting to me that it seems like a foreign concept in the dance industry, but then I grew up hearing around like people on wall street, like they're under so much stress, they get stomach ulcers all the time. And it's like, mm-hmm. they just, you just mm-hmm. automatically are okay with the fact that you connect that their stress has a like physical reaction. It's not just mm-hmm. like they're stressed and their body is perfect. They're stressed and it's showing up in their like phys- like in an ulcer, so to speak. And then you think about taking that same concept and putting it with other, you know, arts, dance, artists who are also under a lot of physical stress, but it's like, oh, well, maybe it's not stress mm. or, well, you should be able to deal with the stress. Let it's me not just that keep bad. going. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. maybe if your body's trying to really tell you something, maybe you should go get that checked out, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, yeah. Well, I think too, yeah. I mean, from a, from a young age, we're groomed. I've, I've started using this word a lot because um, I believe it's true <laughs> mm-hmm. that um, we are groomed by our adults that we trust in the studio, our studio owners, our teachers. We're groomed to believe that there is a, an echelon of perfection that you can achieve with your body, with your performance, with your skills, and that anything that might get in the way of that pathway to perfection is just something that you need to just shove down Mm -hmm. and get through it, you know, suck it up. Um, This is just the way it is. If you really want to be a dancer, you know, you have to just push through it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think, I think that really feeds into this denial that many, many people have. I know that I have this denial that this anxiety is actually causing some physical problems. And and maybe the reason why I'm injured all the time, because I was one of those dancers, I was injured all the time. Um, And I think if I had had some of those, some of these tools to understand what was actually going on, I might've been able to uh, reverse engineer some of that and, and have a healthier career. Yeah, I so agree. I mean, I remember being like, I don't know how old I was, I was in high school early on. Um, and I went to this dance intensive and I remember my Achilles. I've always had problems with my Achilles, which I have learned to have been a manifestation of the stress that I carry in my body. And so the stress like drop, drops into my Achilles and they tighten up so much. Now that I've done this work, there's been so much more freedom there. 
Um, but anyways, I went to this dance intensive. It was two weeks long and my Achilles was literally like swollen, like four sizes bigger than it actually was. Like you can, they can't see my hand right now, but it was like this big, like, I'm not joking. Like it was so bad. Wow. She's, no, guys, I, she's holding up her hand. Like she's holding a lemon. So just to give you big. like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so I, you know what I did? I put a sock on so I would ignore it and keep dancing mm -hmm. because I felt that that was going to make me unworthy. And the teachers were not going to see me like they did before. Yeah. It's like this yeah. fear that's like deeply rooted in us always. And that didn't just happen that time that happened many times before that, even in a studio where I had supportive dance teachers, some more than others, right? Some more than others. Um, sure. But it didn't just happen once it was over and over again. And what that taught me was just like my human body isn't worthy right? My human body isn't worthy. I can only be worthy if I'm perfect, but yeah. we're all human. We're all human with human emotions, human experiences, right? Human everything. It catches up to you. I remember, um, I don't want to misquote him, but our first episode with Terry Hyde, and he was talking about this relationship between perfectionism that can turn into anxiety, that can turn into depression. It's, mm -hmm. it's not, if you don't address it, it's not going anywhere. It's just going to keep showing up in your life. Um, so you, you gotta, you gotta take care of it. Recognizing it's there is one thing, but actually doing something about it, <laughs> that can be the difficult part. I think in my experience. Yeah. 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 It's, 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 oh, there's a lot of layers there. So Taylor, what age groups do you usually work with? And if you work with different ones, um, what are kind of some of the differences that you would see between those who maybe are still in those more development years versus, you know, young adults? Yeah, it's fun. So I've worked with a range of people. Um, I've worked with young kids and I've also worked with adults. Um, I'm transi transitioning more into just working with adults for right now um, for many different reasons, just I feel more called into that space. Um, but I love this question because I see very similar things between the kids I've worked with and the adults I've worked with. The only difference is, is the pain and the awareness maybe, and um, the way that the pain shows up is magnified in adults. Intense things that adults can have awareness around and they recognize and they can name, right? Some of us are scared to name them, but they name. Um, but for kids, it's very uh, invisible because it's just the norm. Right. And so growing up as a studio dancer or whatever competition dancer, I see these kids just it's the norm to comment on their bodies. Like it's the norm to just get done with like Thanksgiving dinner and and come back into dance. Right. And say, oh, I got to work off all this food I ate. Like mm. I literally had and you're eight years say old that, and they're young. Right. Yeah. And so we see that same thing in adults, but it's just kind of hidden within kids because it's just the norm. The cool thing about working with kids is they are open and they really uh, take things on quickly. And so things can really shift quickly. The other thing is they're very, um, they're very, what's the word I'm looking for? Controlled, I guess, maybe not controlled, but I'm just gonna say it, um, controlled by their parents. Right, so their views are controlled by their parents. So if their parents aren't supporting this new way that I'm teaching them, then they're constantly questioning this this supportive way. And so sure. that that can look like you know 
parents holding so much pressure on their kids, right? That's the norm in the dance industry is parents just holding this crazy amount of pressure on these kids to like be perfect. And um, it, it's just very contradicting for them. And so they can, the work that I do with them um, doesn't soak in as much. It doesn't click, it doesn't connect because of the atmosphere they're always around. Possibly also they're not ready to hear it. Right, because this has been programmed into them for so long and they haven't hit that point where most adults have hit that point where it's like, oh, like I gotta do something, like something is not okay, you know. Do you do you work with the parents at all ever as far as like facilitating conversations between student and parent when you have those different ideas or differently, you know, when that when you talk about that parent that's putting all that pressure, um, is there a is there like a conversation there that you have or tools that you would give parents to both kind of like get them on board as far as, hey, do you realize this is <laughs> this is how your kid feels, um, which is hard. I mean, I, I get it. <laughs> Being a teacher, it's hard to sometimes like have those conversations with parents when you're trying to teach them. Parents have their own opinions of how their child needs to be taught. That's a whole nother mm-hmm. can of worms. But I mean, what does that what does that look like for you when you're navigating that? Yeah, I'll be honest. Um, the work with the kids have started has really started like this year during COVID nineteen, where there's not a lot of commu- communication with the parents, at least at the studio I was working with, not a lot of communication. Um, and yeah, sometimes there is it's like gentle for me, like it's a gentle process of just like mentioning some things and like hopefully like allowing what I teach and gentle shifts that I mentioned to them to really sink in and just like trusting that those shifts will sink in because I've learned that you can't change somebody's mind you can't convince people of anything right it they're they're gonna hear it when they're ready and unfortunately their kids are like a a byproduct of that right which is messed Mm -hmm. up and it sucks but and also their kids are going through an experience that maybe they need to go through in order to evolve even more and do the healing work and be welcomed into the healing work even more. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, it's similar to someone, anyone who wants to make any kind of lifestyle change, whether it's quitting smoking or, you know, something like that, you have to really want to do it for it to be successful. I think a lot of the parents um, that are holding the pressure on their kids, it's, it's blindly, they don't know, right? They don't know that they are, which makes it kind of even harder to get through, Mm, right? Because they don't know. I mean, my parents didn't know. Yeah, what they see as support, it it translates differently. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I wouldn't say not, I wouldn't say not all of them. No, 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 they're not, because there there are for sure. I feel like I would say there's, there's, I feel like um, someone recently was saying there's like kind of two camps of the parents there as far as those who are more open and those who have their own, I like, maybe they should be a teacher. (laughs) Kind of fair to say that gently. So a lot of times the parents, uh, in my experiences, I'm also a teacher. I've been teaching for, gosh, I don't know, since I was 18. So do the math, 20 years. 20 years I've been teaching. It's crazy. Um, But so over that 20 years, I, I personally found anecdotally that the parent that tends to be that more fresh, high pressure, somewhat toxic seeming on the outside, because I don't know, I'm not in that relationship, but from what I can see, 
it seems like that is the product of the studio environment. And most parents don't have an experience in the dance world. Most of Mm -hmm. them were not themselves dancers at a high level. So all they know is what this um, successful studio owner or former dancer who was really successful in their dancing career, all they know is what this expert is telling them or what this ex- how this expert is talking to their child or how this expert is uh, creating the environment that their kid is in. So the parent probably thinks, oh, well, if this, is, this must be how it has to be in order for this goal to be achieved. So I, mm-hmm. I have to buy into that. So yeah. I think that's where a lot of the blindness comes from too. Yeah, I was going to say totally, like I totally agree. And I think um, a lot has to do with like parents feeling accepted as well right? Parents have these wounds too. And so like, they want to be accepted. Like they want their kid to be good enough. They want to prove that they can handle this dance, this dance competition scene or this dance world scene and like prove that they're good enough too. And that gets projected onto their students, unfortunately. Um, But something that I also wanted to say was that there can be like an invisible, um, an invisible expectation that parents like to hold and that's something that I faced was like this invisible feeling of pressure and expectation constantly that never was vocalized out loud actually the opposite was vocalized but you can feel in your parents or your dance teachers or your choreographers or anybody who's leading you um, in their energy that they're holding this kind of pressure this kind of space for you and so that can go into parents right that can go into dance teachers all of that good stuff. I'd really like to know what conversations do you think are important? Well, it's kind of a two-part question. So part one, since we're talking about parents, what kind of conversations are important that parents are having with their students? Um, so those parents that are, are less pressure parents, so like in that more positive space about supporting a balanced lifestyle. So how can parents have conversations about their kids to make sure that they're branching out of the dance bubble, so to speak. But also I think it's important to rephrase that question and what conversations should adults be having with ourselves Mm -hmm. or with one another, with our colleagues or our management staff? What kind of conversations should they be having with their employees to support a balanced lifestyle so that we can all become evolved dancers? Yeah. Um, the first word that comes into my mind is like curiosity, like being curious. And so, yeah. we ta- oh my goodness, I feel- Taylor, if you, if you're listening to us, it's I our mean- word of the season. We, we kind oh, of wait, dubbed it really a couple said- episodes. We, we were like, I'm pretty sure this whole, the, the common thread in all of our episodes recently, yeah. we felt like is curiosity. So yes, it's sorry. I just ether, geeked man. out a little when it's you like, said that. I know we both like got so excited because it's, it's in the ether, it's in the zeitgeist, like everyone is feeling this um, need for change and it's all boiling down to approaching it with curiosity. Sorry, mm-hmm. go ahead. No, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> like curiosity, I don't know, when we think about a parent approaching a, a dance student, right? I, I would always recommend just like a curious nature, like being curious about their experience that they're feeling inside of themselves. Because a lot of the time I know for myself as a parent and as a dance teacher and as a dance educator, I find myself assuming things based off of what I see. 
And I was that perfect student, right? I was the one that always showed up, that always did my best, that always pushed so hard, that came early, that stayed late, that did everything. But inside I was suffering and nobody knew it and nobody asked. And so it's just being curious, like, is what we're doing actually serving you? You know, maybe not using the, that language with kids. This is why I'm transitioning out of working with kids because some, sometimes the language I use, I don't know, the language isn't there for me yet. <laughs> um, I feel called to use this language with adults. But yeah, it's just like, is this really serving my kid? Even with dance teachers to their student, the way I'm teaching, is this serving them at the deepest level? Like, can we do healing work instead of ourselves, right? If we're talking about dance teachers and parents, can we do healing work instead of ourselves so that we can detach from our ego when we talk to our kids, which is so hard. I'm a mom and like, that's so hard. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. But like, how can we detach from our ego? so that we can really put our students and our kids and our dancers' best interest that mm. place, right? Man, you know? that is something that I, oof, I feel like I'm, I never want to say that I'm done with anything because like we're always evolving and learning as human beings. I never want to commit to that, you know, that I, I, I went through that. So I'm still going through that. But I really had a huge, huge shift. Probably, I would say, maybe six, five or six years ago, um, six pretty late in my teaching career, I think, where I finally let go of the idea that my students were my kids, mm. like my kids, and yeah. the idea that um, I was producing anything, that yeah. I was producing a dancer, you know? And that was all that ego stuff of me not being totally happy with my own career that I had had and me feeling insecure as a teacher and me um, getting frustrated or, or whatever it was. It was all of all my ego. Mm -hmm. Although I loved my kids, you know, I still, I still use that word, but although I, I wanted the best for them, really at the end of the day, my job was to make a dancer. But yeah. really, I've realized through this letting go of the ego that I'm not making anything. I'm facilitating. I'm providing Their own experience, space. right? Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, I'm, I'm nodding because I can relate to this so much of like your ego taking over because of the disappointment maybe you have in yourself of your own career. I face that like so hard after having my son. Um, because I felt like my career was over and it was the end of the world and oh, like I can't do what I love anymore. I was facing this like, this projection onto my students of no, you, now you have to be perfect. Now I have to get you somewhere so that I look good, right? So that my dances yes. look good. And so people mm -hmm. wanna like work with me, like you guys are holding this pressure. And it's like, no, 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 no. That's, that's the problem. Like that's where the toxic nature starts. And if we can just treat every single student, like an individual and like, we're, like you said, we're facilitating their experience. Like they get to have their own experience. They get to have their own experience. And maybe it's like, they flourish and they're like expressing so big that day, or they just want to be like closer inside. Like, can we just support their experience, man? And that's harder. That's like, that's hard, man, because our egos are always still alive. We're human. No matter what we do, our ego is yeah. still going to be there. <laughs> we mm -hmm. just have to change yep. our relationship to our ego. Um, but I think this also has to deal with like adult dancers too. When we're talking about like our relationship mm -hmm. with ourselves, 
we have to do the same thing. We have to change our relationship to our ego. We have to release our ego a little bit and drop down into our body, right? Really have our best interest at mind, which is hard as well. I'm just sitting here quiet, just absorbing all of it. <laughs> I just love it all. <laughs> I, I, I've, uh, I don't know, just hearing, I mean, hearing everyone's different perspectives, everyone has a different different perspective when you're in this conversation for dancers and so much of what you're you're touching on we just haven't had much conversation around that yet as far as like that inside work and what that actually looks like like why is that a problem it's an ego thing it's a it's a really tapping into that so I appreciate you sharing do you want to go back to we were talking about working with students or other age groups I think you also work with young adults do you want to touch a little more on that work um at all Yeah, yeah. So like you said, I work with adults, professional dancers, really healing the relationship with their body, because when we get to that point, there's a lot stacked up there, right? There's a lot of trauma that we get to heal. And um, you said it, right, in order to hold, I believe that we're all space holders as dancers, you know, we're all space holders, whether a lot of dancers come into spaces where they are teaching, or they're choreographing, creating, right? If you're not doing that, you're dancing with other dancers. If you're not doing that, you're posting on social media probably, right? So we're all holding space for each other as dancers in this industry. And so if we want change, the change starts within us. If we want the dance industry to treat us better, we gotta ask ourselves, how are we treating ourselves, right? Are we holding the space instead of ourselves? I actually just did a story on this that probably disappeared by now, but um, if we, can we hold the space for ourselves that we want the dance industry to hold for us, right? The accepting space. And if the answer is no, not yet, then we get to go in and heal. Um, Yeah, and so I take dancers through this beautiful experience and this facilitation of really just creating a safer space inside of their bodies that they feel at peace with um, and can also dance with. Like I said at the beginning of the episode, the biggest worry that I see dancers facing is that Am I ever going to get a dance again when a dancer's experienced abuse or eating disorders or the pain of not feeling safe inside of your body, right? Am I ever going to get a dance again from a space of feeling safe, of feeling good, of feeling free? Do I, am I ever going to get to express myself? Like I signed up, like, I don't know about you, but like as a dancer, I signed up to express myself. I didn't sign up for all of this other crap, like at the beginning. Yeah. I signed up to express myself and that's yeah. what my soul truly wants. And, yeah. you know, that's what I feel like as dancers, that's what all of our souls truly want is to just like express ourselves. And like, yes, you get to have that and the work, like you're able to have that through the healing work, through the processing and the releasing. And that's the, a lot of the work I do. Yeah, I just love all of what you're saying there as far as creating that space and, and just allowing, just allowing your body to be, you know, so, so when we're talking about these professional dancers, these humans, these bodies, right, that we're being a part of this program to help with that facilitation, whether you're in your program or outside of your program, what are your kind of top three tools for kind of navigating a dance career, right, when we're talking about in the professional space, how do you navigate your career while keeping your mental wellness as that top priority. Yeah, the first thing I have to say, uh, I don't know if I'm gonna have like three like individual ones because everything just meshes together for me. I don't know, I'm a creative okay. person. <laughs> I get that. Um, but they will be tangible, as tangible as I can make them. Um, yeah, so like the first thing that comes to my mind when you say putting your mental health at the forefront is that it's not just your mental health. And if we just include the mind, then we are 
holding ourselves back from the true peace that we can have. And I know probably you both feel this as massage therapists, right? The work is done in your body too. And there's a lot of um, dance educators right now just preaching a lot of mindset work, which is amazing. I'm so happy there's more of a mental health space in the dance industry. But I know I found myself um, for a long time tricking myself into loving my body. Like, oh yeah, I love my body. Like I can say affirmations to myself all day long, but inside I was like not believing it. I was dying, I was suffering because I didn't believe it. And so I think the first thing I have to say about that, the first way you can support yourself is don't leave your body out of the picture. To really start being curious about what's going on on the inside of you, your emotions, your sensations in your body, and also your spirituality. For me, my spirituality was a huge factor of healing my relationship with my body, right? And that can be anything for you. It doesn't have to be one thing. There's a lot of different spirituality, spiritual beliefs, right, in the world. So it's not just one thing, but it's really allowing yourself to um, lean into support, right? Lean into support by yourself. Can I hold space for my body's experiences inside? And can I allow myself to be supported by something bigger than myself, right? Can I allow myself to be supported by other people as well? Um, yeah, and then I guess moving into like something more tangible. Uh, if you follow me on Instagram, you know that I am huge into breath work. So breath work is a huge um, tool that I use to help dancers heal their relationships with their bodies and really just support their, their systems on a daily basis. It's a, it's a daily practice that you can use. And so basically breathwork is a modality where you can regulate your nervous system through your breath. Um, if you work with me through my programs, we do meditative breathwork sessions, which is pretty much just going into the body, bringing yourself into a meditative state and releasing the trauma that you're holding in your body. Super, super powerful, extremely powerful. Um, but to support yourself, you can also use breathwork on a daily basis. And that's something that I do as well. And then that just helps to keep your, your system freer, right? We hold emotions and we hold stories and beliefs and trauma inside of our bodies and breathwork just helps us process that so we can free ourselves from that. Yeah. And what you're talking about breathwork, something that I have found, and you said it, you know, throughout the episode, and it's something that to me is um, kind of goes along the same lines of curiosity, but just this, this idea of allowing, allowing whatever it is, allowing, allowing your experience, mm, allowing your it. body, allowing your curiosity, allowing whatever is coming. Um, and for me, that's something that I have found with box breathing. It's probably, mm -hmm. you know, probably one of the most basic breathing, you know, techniques that you can think about or do, right? Four counts in, it's easy, right? We're dancers, four counts in, hold for four counts, exhale <laughs> for four counts, hold for four counts. Got it, done, I know how to do that. <laughs> um, but dancer it's, math. It's, right, da dancer math, there you go. But it's just giving yourself that 30 seconds, 60 seconds, whatever it takes. And I think I, for the longest time, I was, if I'm being frank, I was judgy of breath work. I was judgy <laughs> of these things because mm, I was like, that same. doesn't work. It's It's not mm -hmm. worth it. But I would also not even give myself 30 seconds to try. Gee, Courtney, <laughs> I've had some healing like a few years ago, but it's fine. Um, but when you actually allow yourself to say, you know what, let me just try it once. Let me just try this whole breathing thing. It can be difficult when you're 
like to to just sit and allow yourself to be with mm-hmm. yourself. And that's where because we don't allow our we don't like ourselves, mm-hmm. right? We don't like that vulnerability. Where we're at. Yeah. It's like yeah. Well, it's uncomfortable. I, I, it's uncomfortable, mm-hmm. right? If I, well, if I just keep going, I'll be fine. <laughs> right? It's just this this surface level like we're just going to stay up here. We're not going to dig deep. And I never thought I was one to like put my emotions down. Like if you ask any of my family and friends, like I'm a very emotional being. Um, but that doesn't mean that there wasn't stuff there that needed to be addressed. Right. And mm-hmm. so having that four counts in, hold four counts out. It's like, it brings you back to your space. It brings you back into that present moment. And there's a lot that can be done in that 30 to 60 seconds if you just allow it to happen all by yourself, yeah. wherever you're at. If you just allow it to happen, it can be really impactful for you. Totally. And I think there's something to be said about like the resistance I might have felt, right? Where we feel resistance is usually where we get to go in order to heal. Um and so there's also something to be said about vulnerability. You said you didn't really feel like you had anything, right? To, to process or like to move. Yeah, through. I was the yeah. same way. I was yeah. the same way. Um, and, you know, I was like, I was, I was the person that would be like, everything's wrong with me in the world. I need attention and I need love. Like somebody hold me. And then I was the person to be like, nothing's wrong. I'm perfect. Like nothing's wrong. Right. And so everybody has these pieces. Some of us just a little bit deeper than others. And as dancers, we're taught to be vulnerable, right? We're taught to show our emotions when we dance and tell stories. And what I've learned is, yes, we tap into them a little bit, right? But we don't process them by doing that. And so usually it's like this mask that we put on in order to be vulnerable on stage where we're not actually feeling and processing what's actually like deep down inside of us. Cause we all have the deep down. We all have the deep down, every single one of us humans. Yeah. And so maybe if you're, if you're feeling resistance about doing things like breath work or practices that will help you release and surrender and allow, then that's the edge that you get to practice pushing gently, gently, gently. My, I love that. <laughs> My counselor always tells me, um, and the first time she said this to me was really a gut punch, but she said that um, if you're having trouble in a relationship, not necessarily with your you know, partner, but it could be just a friend or a coworker or whatever, it doesn't matter, um, or your relationship with yourself. If, if you see something that's lacking or something that you feel like your needs aren't getting met, the first place you need to turn is yourself. And Mm -hmm. usually the thing that's missing is missing because of some kind of resistance, like what you're talking about. Um, That resistance is usually the first place you need to look to to find some evolution. I love that so much. I think that like goes into the dance industry too, is because Mm -hmm. most of our wounds are because we're constantly searching for something external, right? External validation, Mm -hmm. external love, external acceptance, all of that. Um, and so maybe we feel resistance about going inside of ourselves because we're constantly searching for the outside world to give that to us. But the truth is, like you said, like the evolution is when you can give that to yourself. When you stop searching from the outside world, from the dance industry to give those things to yourself. And you start really allowing yourself to give that to yourself because you can, every single human has that power to do that. 
we can heal ourselves. Our own energy is our own medicine. And as, as a facilitator, I'm not doing anything to give you that medicine. I'm literally just holding the space for you to open up for yourself, right? Yeah. Like we all have the power I love to that. do that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Beautiful. All right, Taylor, we are going to ask you the same question we ask all of our guests. And it's just kind of a fun closing question. But if you could get in the time machine and go back um, to little Taylor, let's say, I don't know, 12 year old Taylor, uh, what would you tell yourself as a young dancer? Mm. There is so, so much, so much, so much. I've done a lot of this work with like inner child healing. Um, but like, as you say this, I'm like, I would tell the, the little dancer, you know, in me that it's all for a reason, you know, that look at where I am now, like, look at the work that I get to do now. And I don't know if I would change anything, right? Because everything that I've gone through has led me to this work. I would not be doing this healing work if it weren't for everything that I've moved through in myself and like having my son, like I would not be doing this healing work. And so it would just be like, look at the work that you get to do. <laughs> like, this is awesome. Um, and maybe just reminding that, that version of myself that I'm powerful and that um, my creativeness and my expression is worthy to be seen. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Oh, love it. Mm -hmm. oh, so what a beautiful episode. So why don't you go ahead, plug any of your social media profiles, your website, where can our listeners find you to get more information about your programs? Yeah. So you can follow me on Instagram at Taylor underscore Behringer. Um, and then I have a website, taylorbehringer.com. Um, and I also have a group program running um, for right now, twice a year possibly three times. We will see. Um, I'm going to have a March class, which is really soon. And then Yay. a uh, July class for this group program. Um, so this group program is the Evolved Dancer program, and it takes professional dancers through the process, my processes of healing your relationship with your body. Um, we go deep into somatic work, breath work, dancing something that's really cool about this program and i'm really proud of is we don't just do the healing work it's not just mindset work it's the somatic work but we're integrating that into your dancing so you're not just going into your dance career or like class or whatever and being like oh well i can't do both right we're integrating yeah. that in um and there's also an option to work with me one-on-one -on -one through that group program as well so um yeah you can find that on my website or on my instagram page and i would love to have anybody who feels called to this work great Yay. yeah and guys we <laughs> will put all the links on how you can find taylor down below in the show notes so those will be easily clickable and visitable yep, yep. for everyone so yeah um yeah. but yeah taylor this has been a really great conversation um i've had a, a definitely a couple of epiphany moments and I know that our listeners have as well so I just want to thank you so much for your time today yeah thank you so much for having me on that that literally like fills my heart up so much hearing you say that because that's what I'm that's what I'm here to do like that gives me the biggest joy when people can be like oh mm -hmm. like I I felt something from what you said and like that that shifted something for me um so thank you for that yeah, yeah. thanks for sharing your voice with us and with everyone who listens and keep keep talking <laughs> doing the thing yeah keep, keep doing the thing right hey, i got you awesome. <laughs> perfect awesome well thank you so much again and we will uh we'll let you go
All right. Bye. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. Hey, Sarah, how are you feeling after that one? Hey, I, I feel almost like I just got out of like a really great yoga class or like a massage. I don't know. Like I'm <laughs> feeling very calm and, and just energized and hopeful and just a lot yeah. of positive things right now. Yeah. Yeah. You seem, um, calm is just calm. Mm-hmm. And pleasant and just like yeah. glowy a little bit yeah yeah well I mean I think it's the zoom filter I'm using but thanks <laughs> you got some sunshine on your face yeah no but in all seriousness not only was everything that Taylor had to say so valuable and I really feel like I pulled value out of every point that she was making but also can we just talk about how awesome her voice is <laughs> can we just talk good about yoga that? teacher voice yeah, yeah, she has such a soothing voice and just the Comforting. rhythm of it. Yeah, I think that's kind of part of where where um, this calm feeling I'm having is coming from. I can only yeah. imagine sitting with her and doing breath work and maybe a meditation. I mean, it would be amazing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Sure. Just oh, breath work. Mm. That's something yeah. too that I, <laughs> when she was talking about breath work and like getting out of it, um, not just being in the mind and getting into the somatic things, that's something that I found very difficult to do in my own healing. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as underst- I thought there was this like disconnect between body image and like body respect. I was mm-hmm. like, well, it's it's like one and the same. I just came came I came from this weird space and thinking like I respect my body, so I can't yeah. hate my body. Right. Can those two things exist at the same mm-hmm. time? And actually respect and body image are pretty yeah. intertwined. I feel <laughs> um, like you just invented a new topic for our next episode or something <laughs> like well it's something that I've ruminated on for yeah. a for a long time for my own healing as far as like stepping out of that space and figuring it out. Yeah, maybe I should have brought it up <laughs> on a on a personal episode. But yeah um yeah I feel like Love that it. might be a lot to dig into right now in an outro. But um yeah. <laughs> anyway it just Don't kind of has that. me thinking about the body and the mind and how they're connected mm-hmm. and what our motivation is behind how we're showing up and how we're mm-hmm. treating ourselves and our self-talk and our inner critic, like she was talking about. So, yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. I really liked the, um, I know I kind of chimed in a lot, but I really liked when she was talking about uh, letting go of your ego and how not letting go of your ego can affect those around you and the way mm-hmm. you're tre- treating other people, the way you treat yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was, was a very, valid point and something that I, mm-hmm. I struggle with today, but that I, I think I can see that there is some progress behind me on, which is great. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that's something that maybe not all of our listeners have considered. And so that's something to dig into for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lots, lots of thoughts from our episode today <laughs> that I just want to keep, uh, keep, keep thinking about. So yeah. I hope everyone else enjoyed this episode with Taylor. There's so many different perspectives that we've been able to gather. So I've really enjoyed hearing from, from her, her, her story and her perspective and what she has to say about the dance industry, right? It's all this stuff we're trying to change. Um, So anyway, you guys, thank you for tuning in today. We really hope you enjoyed this episode today. If you did go ahead and leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple podcasts, follow us on Spotify and share our podcast with your people to help us get the word out. And if you write us a review, we might even rate it on the next show. So watch out for that. 
Also, if you guys have any questions, particular topics you'd like us to cover or guests you'd like to hear from, you can please email those to us at dancebetterpodcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you guys. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at dancebetterpodcast. To catch us in our own lanes, you can connect with me on Facebook in Strong But Struggling Young Women. You can find it directly on Facebook or the link is in my Instagram, which is at Court Ulrich, and it's linked down in our show notes. We are talking all about how to level up your relationship with your body image, your emotional health, and your self-worth. And you can follow me on Instagram at Tech Ballet. For more information on my virtual ballet programs, where I integrate mindfulness work and injury prevention into each class. Whether you're gearing up for auditions or coming back to the bar from a long break, everyone is welcome. We approach solid technique training from a place of curiosity and not judgment. Thank you so much for listening today, guys. We will catch you on the next episode. Bye. Bye.